Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Dads, we love you and we need you and we thank God for you. And uh, just really, really appreciate you all. Actually, what we might do is I might just pray for you all right while we're all on our feet. If you've got a dad near you and he's your friend or he's your dad or he's your family, why don't you just stretch your hand out? Let's just pray for them. Or a granddad. I've joined the granddads now. And uh, one, of the South, one of our South African family told me in the last service that I was now, I thought they said to me, you're now an old pa. And I thought, I thought that was a bit harsh myself. But anyway, that turned out I'm an opa, they told me. So I've got it now. I'm an opa. So, uh, so dads and granddads, let's just pray for you. Stretch out a hand towards them. Father, we just pray for all the dads, all the granddads, Lord. We just pray, Father, a special blessing on all of them. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that they are so valuable, more than they know. And we just pray, Father, fill them with a fresh sense of value, fresh sense of importance importance, Lord, to their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would anoint them even today. Speak to them in this service, Lord. Pray for any of the dads and granddads and, Lord, our future dads. And I pray, Lord, for the girls as well that don't know you. I pray, let today be the day they come to know you. And, Father, if anybody's uh, not walking with you but was, I pray that they come home today, Lord. Be restored and begin to walk afresh with you. And I just pray, Father, for all the dads that you would grace them, Lord, for uh, this incredible calling of being a father. You'd grace them to be an incredible granddad. And, Lord, that they would leave an incredible mark on planet Earth, Lord, through their love for their children, their, their, their wives, their grandchildren. And, uh, Father, I just pray that they would be impacting not only their family, but I pray the community here in Perth and beyond. Father, open our eyes today. Help us to see further and greater. And I just pray that you would bless and reward every faithful dad and granddad here today. Bless and reward them, God. Surprise them with blessings. Surprise them with reward. And Father, I just pray they'd know your favor and your grace to lead their families and encourage their families. I pray it now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand, everybody. Give the Lord a great hand. And uh, you can be seated. You can be seated. How good. How good. Father's Day 2020. Can I just uh, actually thank everybody at church? Uh, last week I just had a week off, so I was away and didn't get to hear the final result from our Compassion Weekend. But I just want to thank everybody because we here are building the most incredibly great, gracious, generous church. I couldn't be more proud of everybody stepping up with our Compassion Weekend because uh, uh, on our Compassion Weekend and then last weekend, we now sponsored just in the last... Uh, two weeks, 170 children. 170 children through compassion. Hang on, we need to just kind of, I don't know, yell, cheer. Can the Africans help me just give a big, uh, yeah, just, come on, 170 children. Which now takes us at least to 1,150 children now, something like that. But we're over the thousand mark, and uh, all of those children right now, their, their parents will be dancing. They'll be dancing in the street because you're really impacting them incredibly. They're going to be going to school. They're getting education. They're going to get medical help. They, all the impacts of it is incredible. And uh, you also need to know the impact you're having on compassion right now. You know, in many places, sadly, uh, when compassion comes to churches, they're really struggling trying to get the church on board to sponsor children. It's, it, 
they have to work really hard. And they actually, their main struggle is often the senior pastor, sadly. So I'm trying to change that and make, break the mold on that. And, uh, but they're having to work to get the church to get interested. Do you know that since April, we've actually in one weekend sponsored more than I think they've seen in Australia since April? Global Heart Church. So the, the best they did in Western Australia in a weekend since April was one church sponsored 14. And so we sponsored 170 just this year. Everybody, you are incredible. If you sponsored a child, you're absolutely incredible. And if you added to your family, thank God for you, because literally you are helping us together rescue children from poverty in Jesus' name. One of the years when I was there, I had a mother come up to me, and we also had another mother speak actually to the team who were there. And the mother came and told me that she said, I was being forced to go into prostitution. I had no other hope than to go to prostitution. And she said, my child was malnourished. And she said, and then somebody from Global Heart Church sponsored our child. She said, she said to me, I want to thank you. Please go back and thank your church. I've never entered into prostitution because of the sponsorship that came to my child. So you're impacting the child, absolutely. They're finding out that there's hope in Jesus. They're finding out that their prayers to Jesus are being answered. You're being Jesus' hands and feet to that child. They're praying and saying, God, help me, and I want to go to school. And, uh, and you are answering the prayer as Jesus speaks to us. And then uh, you're impacting their mother. You're impacting the father. Often the father's returned to the home if they've been shamed through poverty. And then you are impacting the community and then the nation. So everybody, it's just fantastic. And here's what's happening too. Now, Compassion here in Western Australia, Steve is crying again with me. <laughs> That's Steve Scrimshaw. He's like, oh my gosh, Global Heart Church just makes me cry. Uh, let's make a whole lot of people cry, right? <clears throat> because of the blessing. And then now in head office in Newcastle in New South Wales, they are talking about you. So the head office is talking about you and your sponsorship in Global Heart Church. And they're getting courage and encouragement from you and you stepping up, they get encouraged and encouragement there in the head office to go, we, need to, we can do more. So I love the fact that they're not having to push a church up a hill. We're now pushing compassion up the hill. Come on, we can, we're going to push compassion up the hill. <clears throat> so on behalf of all the children, everybody, and uh, having been to that beautiful nation with the most beautiful people and beautiful children, who I love so much, you have helped rescue now 1,150 children, which is absolutely fantastic. Now pray, start praying, start planning, start believing that you're going to come on one of my uh, discovery tours where we go and, uh, you know, see some of the projects that we're involved in in time to come. So you need to pray. Say, Lord, I'm putting 100 bucks in the bank, and that's for my trip, and start saving by faith. And uh, if you haven't got $100, believe for 50. Put it in. Say, Lord, I'm believing for the rest. And uh, in time to come, let's believe for you to come and meet your sponsored child or children in Jesus' name. We need to give the Lord one more hand. Thank you. Let's give the Lord one more hand. So fantastic. Thank you, Lord. So well done, everybody. So, so proud of you. And uh, I was just thrilled to hear that uh, confirmation day of 170 children. You know, you know what Compassion's goal was when they came? I always tell them, bring 200 children to our church. Don't bring less than 200. Their goal when they came in Western Australia, and they said, well, we always believe you guys for more. So our goal was 50. Now, my goal and our goal was 150. 
but it's looking like I'm a bit backslidden as well. So I had to go 150, just thinking outrageous 150, but we went above and beyond. Above and beyond. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about fathers now because you're so important, we need to get into it. And uh, good morning to everybody who is tuning in from Zambia or from Germany or at home here in Perth. Welcome everybody who's online right now, uh, watching our service today, so great to have you with us as well. And uh, everybody, just want to encourage you that Father's Day and all it represents is huge. And I want to say to all the fathers right now, you don't realize just how important you are, but you are incredibly important. And a father who uh, serves the Lord is incredible. If you're a father who serves the Lord, now that doesn't mean just go to church. A lot of people go to church. I'm talking about serve the Lord and walk in His purpose and plan. Your impact on your family, the generational impact can be huge. Many of you know already, Sue and I are both from very broken homes. I grew up in a very uh, abusive home. Uh, physically, not so much to me, but a lot of physical abuse went on that I was in, saw and involved in. Emotional abuse, uh, how my parents ended up divorcing, then getting together. Sue's parents, uh, uh, remarriage, divorce. You know, we've got so much stuff in our families on both sides. So Sue and I didn't come from Christian backgrounds. And uh, we both got saved separately at the end of our teen years and then met in Sydney. And that was the Lord's plan, bring us together. And so from such brokenness, and what happens is when you have broken families, and we, my dad's such a terrible alcoholic, historically children scatter. So all of my family, siblings, four, four other brothers and sisters, everybody just scattered around the, around the world, really, and around the, city, around the states of Australia. And uh, so when the father's not in the right place in the home, there's a disconnection that happens. Unity is broken. And so Sue and I experienced that. But in one generation, when we both gave our lives to the Lord, the end of our 10 years, then getting married, 22, holding hands and saying, Jesus, we hope you're real. Hope, you, hope the Bible's true. But please help us now. We're going to try and apply it. Sue and I can tell you that after 39 years of following the Lord and uh, putting God, you know, working to put God first every day, that now the Lord has blessed us. And in one generation, we have a new family and a new life which is incredible. So we're just so grateful for that. For those who I just say a quick shot of my boys and my beautiful daughter-in-laws. So you got a quick shot of that, you guys? There we go. So there's my three uh, amazing boys who are incredible, who are not only uh, do we love them so much, they are incredible, and Sue and I have the greatest privilege raising them, but watching them now walk out, not just church attendance, everybody, walk out the call of God. Got to get all you fathers making a change. We're meant to help our children get into the call of God. We're meant to help our children get into the call of God. We're meant to help our children get into the call of God. So that is the goal, not church attendance. That's 101. But my boys now are all walking in their own calling, their own purpose, and their own plan with God. And then I've got two beautiful daughter-in-laws, Bianca and Kerry, and, uh, which uh, they're just absolutely amazing. So we're so blessed. But this is in one generation following the Lord God can change things, and God can cause you to have new life. And uh, Sue and I might never have had children. That was an issue as well we had to deal with. We had challenges having children. We might never have had them. And then we would have, uh, like what Sue said to me one day, she said, if we don't have our own children, I will love children anyway. I will find children and love them. And, uh, and we decided we're going to serve, get better, not get bitter, when we were told we probably wouldn't have kids after what we'd been through. But then we ended up having them. So can I encourage you, wherever you find yourself, Commit yourself to the Lord 
And, uh, and you can be a great blessing to children and to a family anywhere in Jesus' name, but particularly in God's house. Then I'm really blessed with our beautiful little grandson, Joel, who this week is sitting on Nanny's lap, and already the anointing is on him. I think he's a preacher. I'm not sure. But he's a lovely little boy, and uh, we're just thrilled to have him. The start of the grandchildren. The start of the grandchildren. Amen. So, uh, so I want to encourage all the dads here right now. It's huge, your impact on your family. And in the world right now, they're devaluing as if the fathers aren't needed. You can have a family. Uh, that's, oh, that's, he's on nanny's lap right there. But it's almost like the fathers aren't needed. I can't tell you that if you get behind the scenes of the media who put a presentation out, there's a lot of media coming out now. And I like what Donald Trump said when he said fake news because he's absolutely correct. Because a lot of it is all skewered to change your whole thinking about what's right, what's wrong, how to do life, how... What's, um, and they want to affirm things that God's never affirmed. But uh, when you get behind the scenes, and I was looking again this week at um, the Children's Bureau in the USA, which gives you all the stats. Who likes stats? Who likes facts? Facts are actually called truth. <laughs> and uh, if you get behind the, behind the media, you actually discover the truth and the facts. And so the Children's Bureau in the USA... Uh, reported what Psychology Today has put out. And this is what they put out about fathers. Listen to this, everybody, because you're not getting this on the news. The results of father absence on children, this is what Psychology Today has just put out, are nothing short of disastrous. So they're letting us know right now that without a father in the home with the children, the results for the children are disastrous. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the gospel. Because for the, those of us who had, like my dad was in the house, but I wanted him out of the house my entire childhood because he was terrifying and, you know, horrific. Uh, but he was also absent in the home. So he's in the home physically, but absent emotionally. So what's happening here is, by the way, God, when he saves you, if you become a Christian, the Bible says God sets the lonely in families. God rescues you from a broken life and places you in the family. What family is that? It's the family of the house of God. Um, some of us still think it's the church club. It's not the church club. It's the family. And so Sue and I never taught the boys that now you're really with the family with us. We taught them you were their family. And so our boys have always felt an obligation to that church. Some of us who are parents here, we've never taught our children that this is actually the family of God. So they see the church as a club that they attend when they're not busy or they're not got a date or they're not, you know, something's on at the movies. They come to the club. Your children will struggle ever to get into the call of God because you've allowed that, because you taught that. So Sue and I taught them, this is our extended family. So they always came to church with, oh my gosh, it's my family. Of course, we had dinners with them with their parents and they had their, you know, their their time with their mum and dad and now their daughter-in-laws and we have dinner and, and that's our, our natural family, but you're our family. That actually sets them up to strengthen them because they have a whole family at Global Heart Church who are behind them. And also they realize that when they miss church, I didn't just miss the club that my parents trained me that we go to when we're not busy or not got a weekend away. They realize when they're not at church, I'm not with my family. So all of that has set them up to be healthy Christians and also set them up to walk into their destiny. So everybody, if you've been lonely and there's missing, God's going to heal you in the house of God. So when I positioned ourselves in God's house, 
just sat here for the next 20 years as God began to restore us and heal us and, uh, and also use us as we went. God began to use us. First four or five years of our Christian walk, he was just doing us, healing us, restoring us, filling the gap, the absence of our fathers, the emotional input of our fathers. God began to heal us for five years, and then he began to use us as we went along. But when the father is absent, children have a diminished self-concept. They, who they are is diminished. Emotional security is taken. Gee, the devil loves to get people emotionally insecure. I'm watching even Joel now. He's come to the planet and he's arrived so sensitive. Babies arrive with a little spirit. He's got a little spirit and he's a sensitive. Babies are sensitive. And when they arrive, they're picking up everything that's around them. The people, the feeling, the atmosphere. And that's why the devil's like, let me get these children wrecked when they're newborns. Because then they can be insecure and mentally unwell all their life. Where God says, no, this is how I planned it mom and dad, with the children, and, and I'm at the top of the triangle, mom, dad, God's at the top, so the children will be secure emotionally and spiritually and mentally. So where the father is absent, here's the other things they have in psychology today. Physic, uh, children have behavioral problems. Fatherless children have more difficulties with social adjustment and are much more likely to report problems with friendship. They manifest behavior problems, and uh, they end up developing in their lives the ability to disguise underlying fears and the underlying resentment, anxieties, and unhappiness that they're having to deal with, which they can't put their finger on. Truancy and poor academic performance. When the father is absent, now he may be in the house, but emotionally is absent, emotionally checked out. 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. Fatherless children have more trouble academically. They score poorly on reading, mathematics, and thinking skills. Boy, I remember that. Year 10, my, the head of English at my high school came up to me and said, Jared, you're really good with English, and said to me, what is happening with you? As I was heading into exam time, and was like, what is happening? The head of the English department. And in those days, you didn't talk about what was happening in your home. That was the last thing you'd speak about, especially in my family. And so I said, oh, I'll try harder. But at home, my father was at his worst. He was on alcoholic benders. My mum was on Valium. And I'm going to school, and the teachers are, like, kind of telling me off. When I, how do you at 15, 16, when that's happening, put your hand up and say, well, actually, this is what's happening. So I was emotionally shattered, but trying to learn and pass school exams. So, so once again, the impact of dad on my life, being in the home, but emotionally absent, was causing me to struggle. And in the end, uh, I got through my exams and was going to go on to year 11 and 12. And then first day of year 11 and 12, making four of my friends go on, my mum pulled me out of school and said, you're getting a job. You're out of school. So, so all the impacts are huge. Delinquency, youth crime. In American prisons, listen to this. 85% of youth in prisons have an absent father. 85% in America. And fathers' children are much more likely to offend and end up in jail for much of their lives. And the issue is fatherlessness. In the 1970s, for all of those who are a little bit older now, actually a lot older, <laughs> in the 1970s, they brought in no-fault divorce. Before my parents divorced, I had to go to court twice with a judge to tell the judge twice what my, parents, my dad was doing to my mother and our family before they'd let them divorce. That was a good thing. Horrible for me as a kid. I think I was 12, something like that, or 11. Horrible for me, but it was good because you were actually holding the couple to their vows. 
till death do us part. No-fault divorce has been the worst thing for children. And in our culture, what we're doing now is we lift up the, we lift up the desires of adults over the uh, responsibilities we should be having for the children. So that thing which everybody thought was cool, the 60s was the sexual revolution. What does that mean? We were immoral, got pregnant, and then thought, what do I do with all these pregnancies? I know. Let's get a law where we can abort them all. That's what we did there. The 70s, we brought in Norfolk divorce. It was the worst thing ever for women because all the men said, oh, do you mean I can get out of here now and leave you with the kids and I can take my money and go? So men left. Their responsibility took off, particularly in Western nations, and uh, women were taken into poverty, left with the children, and the men went off. The children suffered. And so now, if you read the night, see the nightly news anywhere around the world, you realize when all these crazy people are there, you go, it's the fatherlessness. It's the fatherlessness. And all the world thinks we're cool. Uh, feminism came in, which, you know, women need to be absolutely valued and honored but that's not at the expense of putting men down, which is what happened. Men became, ah, oh, men of no value. No, 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 no. Absolutely honor and value the women without in any way putting the men down. And let's work to get them back in the house and being responsible towards their wife, their partner, and particularly the children. So, it, so all these clever people who know better than God threw the children into poverty and into uh, disarray and so now again drug and alcohol abuse from father absence and it might be emotional absence he might be in the house but he's emotionally absent is off the Richter scale in America listen to this it's the current thing 90% of runaway children in America have an absent father you see homeless people don't look at them and think oh why are you homeless what's wrong with you get a job their heart is completely empty because they've been abandoned um this is a huge one. Preschoolers not living with both of their biological parents, current statistic, preschoolers not living with both of their biological parents are 40 times more likely to be sexually abused. 40 times now, not six, 40. Because you've actually got, we won't go there, the group of people who do that target single mothers and move in with them to get to the children. Mental disorders, father absent children, are consistently overrepresented with a range of mental health issues, particularly anxiety, depression, and suicide. Fatherless children are much more likely to experience unemployment, low incomes, and remain on social assistance. Listen to this, everybody, too. This is huge, dads. Father absent children tend to enter into partnerships earlier, are more likely to divorce or dissolve their relationships, and are more likely to have children outside of marriage or outside of any partnership. And they're talking here about young girls where the father is absent are far more likely to enter into uh, relationships sexually early that put them at risk of sexual abuse and of having STDs and of having uh, children out of wedlock in their teenage years. That's endemic now where we're seeing around the world young girls having babies. They're not bad. They're empty. When you go to Northbridge, you go to cities, and you, sometimes you'll see, and I'll still even do it too now, you'll see a 14-year-old girl, a 15-year-old girl dressing in like a slinky nightdress, 
high heels and she's 14 or 15 and you're like, what is she doing? She's attracting definitely the wrong guys. And that girl is out risking her life with a girlfriend or by herself or with a couple of girls and they're dressing like, you know, women of the night and they're 14. They're not bad. They're just empty. They're devoid of dad loving them and affirming them. So girls will risk a stranger loving and affirming them. They end up in bed with them for the affection, the attention they were meant to get from dad. And then they end up pregnant. And then they start assuming, I must be the bad girl to be doing this and have gone here. When it's like, no, 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 you are just empty. And when there's a void, what do we humans do? We fill it. And we're driven until we fill those gaps in our life. Men, you will be driven and driven mad until the gap number one is filled in your life. Here's the number one gap. Relationship with God. You will be driven. The enemy will attack you. He'll go for sex addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, now porn addiction, driving men insane and women now to try and fill something that God says can only be filled through relationship with him. And then, hello, with your husband or wife. And then within the family of God. The church is meant to be uh, the therapy for your healing. Therapy means to come alongside. The church is meant to come alongside you in your recovery from a broken life and a broken heart. And that's what, you know, many of us have experienced, including the pastoral team. I love our pastoral team. Most of us come from some kind of wacky background. Not everybody. I can't speak for you all. Actually, most of you. Anyway, (laughs) but God, when he placed us in his house and we said, Lord, help us, we need help. God began a recovery process. And so we are not those children anymore. I'm not that person anymore. It's, there's no sting there. I haven't got the pain of that anymore. Um, I have distant memories, but that's not my life. That's not who I am. This is the, this is the gospel. You will not be that person anymore. So everybody, you might be there right now, but God says, no, that's not my intention for you to stay there. You're going to have a different life. Don't judge your future by the chapter in a book. I had six horrible chapters, and then the story changed. And then you read the story on, and you go, my gosh, my goodness, oh my gosh, God's good. Oh my goodness, God's real. And you need to know that if God can do what he's done in Sue and me, if he can do what he's done in Pastor Spencer... The three of us, according to all statistics, should not be living any of the lives that we're living. And some of you know exactly what we're talking about because you're the same. But God, when people say, I don't believe in God, I'm like, you need to get out more often. Get out and meet a few of us who were not Christians, didn't believe in God, broken lives, and God has come and healed us. We are healed and we are not going back in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So young girls and young guys, dads, they need your love, they need your affirmation, they need your affection. Hug your teenagers. I still hug my boys. They punch me, some of them, when they do, but that's all right. You still love them and affirm them and give them affection. And that's what children need to thrive. Don't be that my parents never touched me or kissed me or cuddled me, so I won't. No, they need it to be normal. (laughs) They need it to be healthy. So you watch me now with Joel and Sue and I with Joel. We're like, mm, kiss, 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 hug, hug, hug. Word, word, word. Joel's already looking like this is overwhelming, you two. <laughs> we were like, buddy, we've been waiting for you. So, um, so we have such an impact to have and to make. So I want to encourage all the dads. You are really, really important. You know, absence leaves holes in children. 
Absence leaves holes in children. If you don't have your own children, I'll just talk to you for a minute. Can I encourage you? You can become an incredible spiritual uncle or spiritual father in the kingdom and uh, come alongside people. But listen, don't become a spiritual uncle or spiritual dad to people if you're not first exampling it in your own life. Keep away. If you're not doing a sterling example that these kids need to follow, you need to say, I'm going to pray somebody else gets involved with them, get into their life. But Steve Kelly is my best friend of over 40 years. His father, when my dad would go on an alcoholic bender, his father used to be an alcoholic. He recovered, became a born-again Christian. But before he got born again, even then, he would pick up that my dad was about to go on a bender. My dad would drink for three days and be just crazy. And so his father would pick up on that and then suddenly appear at my house. And as a kid, I remember him saying, Jared, get your bag, get your clothes. And I'd be like, where am I going? And my mum would say, you're going with Uncle Bill. Well, he'd take me off to their house as a teenager. I was probably 12, 13. And he was picking up, my dad's going to be really bad for three days, come to our house, you know. And, um, and so when he died, I'm at the funeral with Steve. Steve's his actual son, who's my best friend. Steve's at the funeral, and I'm there, I'm sobbing, I'm crying. And Steve leans over to me, like, we're such good friends. And he, leans over and he goes, look, it was my dad. Can you just kill it back a bit? <laughs> He's like, actually, my dad? And I'm like, why aren't you crying? Cry, I loved your dad. <laughs> and so I'm like, ah. And Steve's like, oh my gosh, you know. Anyway, but we're laughing. He's not doing it anyway. We're just such close friends bantering. But I'm saying, Steve, look at the impact your dad had on me. I said, I just can't stop crying at his funeral. So once again, if you don't have your own children, you can make a major impact. But just don't come alongside people in church if you're not actually got an impact worth following. Just throw that out there. Because kids need a great example. They don't need surprise crazies. <laughs> hey, I'm going to be your spiritual uncle now, but I'm actually crazy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, um, maybe just keep that to yourself, you know. <laughs> Here's a thought, too, for all of us dads again. Psalm 144, verse 4. I read this. It looks a bit, a bit harsh, you know, as, a, as, a, as the statement. But it's, we need to just get... Clarity. Men need clarity. Well, here's clarity, dads. Dads, we are a shadow passing through. You're a shadow. Look what Psalm 144 says. It says, you are like a mere breath. Your days are a passing like a shadow. Men, right now, your life is a shadow on the planet. Boom. And that shadow, just like the afternoon shadow, is slowly disappearing. Right now, the Bible says, you're a mere shadow, men. Here's your shadow casting on the earth. And here's what the Bible says, your shadow is passing. Time is going quick. You're going to be older real quick. So I want to encourage you, now is the time to get to know the Lord. Now is the time to humble yourself and say, God, I need you. God, I need you. If you need some more discussion with some of us who've been saved by God to back up, you know, so you can help you to understand, get an appointment, get a coffee. We want to talk to you too. God's been good. God's real. But if you want to really do life in the way that you're designed to do it, it's in a relationship with God. And, but your life is going like that. We, we, life's like that. Life is like that. You're gonna, you 20-year-olds, you're going to be 40, boom. You have three kids. I hit 30. Then I went to my 40th birthday and said to Sue, you've got to be joking me. This is ridiculous. And Sue, so I said, where did that decade go? Where did that decade go? And then I went 40 to 50. Where did that decade go? Actually, this decade's, I need to hurry up and do something with my life. <laughs> so we're going to realize, right, grab the moment. Seize the moment. You are not coming back as a butterfly. This is it. Grab the moment. Make the impact now on your children and on your grandchildren. 
But it's not going to be because you're like, hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> it's going to be because you are focused. You are focused. We need some men of courage. We need some Christian men who are strong. You know, the promised land is emotional, relational, spiritual, physical, financial. But our children struggle to get into it when we kind of play with Christianity. Yeah, I like the church. I went last month. My grandparents used to go. You know, it's good. Yeah, you know, you can do those. They do cookouts, barbecue things. Good, some nice people there. You got to get way past that. You got to get way past that if you're going to impact your children and grandchildren. Way past that. And I'm a late starter. Some of you have got generational backup, and I'm having to pull you up now, and I'm the late starter from a non-Christian background. Why am I pulling you up? You should be pulling me forward. Why am I pulling people with one and two generations forward having to get you? Come on, you should be in church. Why well, should get your kids? You know, why am I doing that? Why is the pastoral team doing it? Something happened in the 9 o'clock, in the 8 a.m. service. I don't know what it was. You should be pulling me up. Come on, pastor. I'm a second generation, third generation Christian. I want to push you on in your commitment. I want to push you on in your faith. But many times I'm going to you. Come on, dad. Why am I doing that? Mom, why am I doing that to you? Your parents were Christians. Your grandparents were Christians. I'm like, come on. <laughs> oh, we're still looking for a church. What the heck? Where is that in the Bible? Scripture verse, $1,000 if you find it. Bible says God set the members in the body. God set the members in the body. God sets the members in the body. God set like concrete in the body. And here's what Christians do. I'm not feeling it today. We, everybody, you cannot live your life. And dads, you cannot live your life by I'm not feeling it today. You have to go every day. Get up. Get up. <laughs> Realize that your boyhood is gone. Boyhood is gone. The moment you're heading to become a father or you are a father, make the decision, lock in on the season. I'm engaging with this season. My boyhood is gone. I'm not called to be my children's friend, by the way. Too many fathers are trying to be their friends. I just want to be their friends. They've got plenty of friends. They don't need you to be a friend. They need you to be a mother or a father who leads them in the things of God. Come on. Fathering is the ultimate God-given role. It's the ultimate God-given role for a man. And uh, it's, the, it's the most incredible thing you can do with your life is to be a father. And if interesting, in Ephesians, it says everybody too, which a scripture that I found really challenging, is honor your father and your mother so your days may be long and it goes well with you. Can I speak to all the people from broken families like me? Just, Isaac, God bless you. Just, uh, I was like, Lord, I'm a Christian now. What on earth can I honor my father for? Are you kidding me? And then my mom, I get half honor. So I'm like, what? How am I going to do that? And the Lord really showed me, honor your parents for the fact that you're here. Honor them that you're alive. Honor them for, you know, my mom, looked, my mom was good to me, but there's a lot of challenges with her as well. She kept taking us further and further into problems. wasn't pulling us out of the problems. And, uh, but also, you know, those early years I alive, I made it, I'm here. And my dad now, I've actually been able to say to my dad, little wink up to heaven and said, dad, 
you've actually helped me with my ministry. You've been a friend to my ministry, in fact, because you were such a challenge that when God called me to pastoral ministry, everything else was easier. <laughs> and so, and he was always a different personality. So when I met people in pastoral ministry, I was like, I know who you are. Because I had somebody train me for 19 years. So my dad's been a friend. Everybody, find something. If it's only bringing you to the planet, find that. I like what somebody said about fatherhood. It's the ultimate gift. Having a child is like falling in love for the first time, but every single day of your life. Fatherhood is the greatest thing that could ever happen. You can't explain it until it happens. The prophet Michael Buble said, It's like telling someone what water feels like before they've ever swum in it. You can't explain it until you're there. Fathers are called to pray for their children and their grandchildren. Protect them, provide for them, give them vision for the future. Devote your children to the Lord. Can I encourage all the dads? Be a declarer. Most mornings you'll find me on a beach path somewhere nearby praying and I'm declaring over my family. My boys, my beautiful daughter-in-laws, my beautiful wife, my grandson, and I also declare over you. I start praying for everybody at Global Heart Church, and I declare, Lord, let them be blessed. Father, let them get that job. Lord, move in their heart. Father, let them come closer to you. So I'm praying and declaring. We need to build that kind of altar, dads, where the world drops away because you're too busy praying and declaring God's purpose and plan. Let the world fall away in order that you leave your mark. Hello, prayerfully on the planet in Jesus' name. Now, when you teach your son or daughter, remember this, you're teaching your son's son. You're teaching your daughter's daughter. What you example, you're teaching not just your son or daughter, you're teaching the children. So what we do in this generation, we need to have a little rethink. Hang on a minute. Am I kind of representing a casual Christian or somebody who is displaying a father who's walking in the calling of God? One thing I want my boys and my grandchildren children to know is that I walked in God's calling. I didn't just attend church. I want them all to aim for God's calling. Did you know there's a calling for your life? We're saved and called with the holy calling. That's the Bible. If you're feeling like, gee, I can't be a father. I'm not perfect. I struggle. Welcome to the planet of imperfect fathers. There are no perfect fathers, not one. None of us are perfect. That's why we need God. But you can look to the God who fills the gaps. God is a great gap filler. I know Bunnings sells gap filler, but God is actually the great gap filler. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 to 10, He said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Every day, wake up and tell God, God, I'm weak today. I need your grace and I need your help. As you heard me, every night I go to bed and I feel like, Lord, I'm going to bed humble tonight. And I wake up in the morning, I'm proud again. Lord, help me to have humility today. Give, Lord, I need humility today. Help me not to pick up my life again and get in charge. Help me to surrender my life to you again. What does surrender look like? What do you want me to do with my life, God? What do you do with my day? What do you want to do next week? What do you want to do next month? What am I doing, Lord? Help me, Lord, to be stable. God says, I'm going to help you. My grace is sufficient for you. Fathers are called to sacrifice for the family, natural and spiritual family. If you were hugged and loved by your parents as a child, praise God. If you felt their love, thank God. How good. Please honor and thank them for that. But if you did have that embrace, Sue and I and much of our family, we didn't feel that. My mom did 
in the latter years of my life, she was very loving with me. But when we were kids, there was too much going on, chaos. And so you didn't feel the security. Yet then we get saved. And then the very thing God's teaching us from His Word is go and love my people now. I'm like, love your people who loved us. How do we love all the broken people? Guess what? God graces you to love. And as you start to love others, even when you haven't had it, God pours it back into you. If you never had your parents loving you or touching you, God will pour it back into you. Sue and I had different people become our friends and encourage us. But I want to encourage all the Christians who you had your parents love you. Listen, your embrace for people in the body of Christ and in the community should be so much larger than ours. It should be so much larger because you were loved and embraced. So you should hit the church running. It shouldn't be all of us broken people. Pastor Spencer's running around hugging and loving everybody. He's missed out, been a drug addict. Just, oh my, he was a free-range child. His parents sent him off like a free-range chicken. <laughs> Yet he's running around loving it. And I'll see sometimes people in the body of Christ and they've grown up, Christian home, been loved. And they're like, is church over yet? Like, hang on a minute. You were loved. You were supported. Your parents were Christians. You're meant to get busy now. Open your arms, people who've been loved. Open your arms. The shadow, the shadow is passing. You're passing. And then you're with the Lord. Tell your children we are called as a family, even if there's only two of you. If it's mum and, mom and a child, we're called as a family. If it's dad and a child, we're called as a family. And then teach them, Joshua 24. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Tell your children, we'll serve the Lord. We're called as a family. When you get a teenager going off the rails or whatever, listen, you need to have a, have a moment where you speak to your children and say, listen, this is not about the church or whatever. This is about the enemy is after our calling, and we are called as a family to serve the Lord. I had to do that with my boys, but particularly one of them, Jordan. <laughs> the enemy came to move Jordan out of his calling. He didn't just walk into being, he's the kids, overseas kids, youth, young adults. He didn't just walk into it. Sue and I had to battle in prayer for that boy and tell him, Jordan, we're called as a family. When he was like making terms, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing the other. He went enough with some girl in the world. He would have gone over here. Well, I'm like, heck no. No, you're not. We're not letting the enemy take you now. We raised you to serve the Lord and get into the calling. And then I knew I had to get the heavy, get the heavy handed happening. I said, here comes your mother. <laughs> you may not want to deal with me, but you don't want to deal. Sue's all sweet. She's beautiful. But the enemy start taking one of her children. She's up to bat. Even I get frightened. I don't know about the enemy. I'm scared myself. 1 Corinthians 4.15. Though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. One father is worth more than 100 schoolmasters. <laughs> so realize, everybody, we need to become fathers, not just to our own children, but to others. Come alongside other people, encourage them, speak into their life. Someone once said, the older I get, the smarter my father seems to become. So true. You suddenly see the parent and you suddenly see things that were good that you didn't see before. Dads, you are the key spiritual compass 
and the key directional compass in your children's life. If they're off track, don't let them go, oh my gosh, they went off track. Oh, they don't go to church anymore. Oh my gosh, they're out in the world. (laughs) You're the compass. (laughs) You take them for lunch and you sit down and say, I love you. I believe in you. You're called by God. And we are not losing you now from the great calling that you have. Jordan's now the state children's leader, but Sue and I could have lost him if I just went, oh my gosh, you just don't want to go to church and you want a girlfriend just and do whatever and you want to just go to the world. Oh, lovely. The devil would have said, well done, dad. Well done. We had to get in the fray and go, no. And now a lot of children's ministries and hopefully your children are being blessed because Sue and I had to get in the fray. Say, no. We serve the Lord as a family, Jordan. And today, we serve the Lord as a family. Last scripture here, Deuteronomy 6. So good for all of us dads. It says, write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Don't just tell everybody. God says, write on your hearts. And look at this in the message. Get them, dad, inside of you. And then get them inside of your children. The only reason... People start losing God. I've lost my passion. I'm not as hot as I used to be. I'm not as committed as I was. I'm not really in the Word. It's because of pride. It's the only way. C.S. Lewis said that pride is the most malignant of cancers. So the only way to get back is to say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I've allowed this pride to take me over. My spirit is flattening and dying. I repent. I'm sorry. Please help me. Forgive me, God. Please help me to come back to you, come back to your word, come back to your presence, come back to your calling. Help me to be a real Christian, Lord, not a casual attender. And God goes, amen, I will. And in a month or two, you will be a new person in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come back, everybody. Come back, Dad. Last thought. Help your children to see their future in God. That begins by you discovering who they are. Don't tell your children, where are you going to be a doctor? We're all doctors in this family. They may never be gifted for doctors at all. In Asia, I see that all the time. Children, you're going to be this, but it's not their gift. You have to discover who is this child? What is their gift? What is their talents? Let's pray and let's help them to flourish in that. Sadly, in the teen years, we also found out that Jordan was a drummer, not a guitarist. I was like, no, 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 play the guitar. He's like, no, I want to play the drums. I went, no. Every afternoon... Every night, the drums would start to play. And I would say, Jesus, take me to heaven now. Amen. Discover who your children are, fathers. Speak into their future. But listen, don't flatter them. Don't try and just, I want to be friends. If you love your children, my love was so great for the boys that I was more interested in them walking in the calling of God than I was in them liking me. Too many of you are like, do they like me? Do they love me? That is... That is, that is wrong. It's I love you. And even if you get mad with me for two years, I'm going to be praying for you and I'm going to be encouraging you. I'm going to help you get into the calling of God. Be mad with me for two years. But at 30, your wife, your children and your grandchildren will like you and like me. And you will have the impact you're meant to have. Can, fathers, you are valuable. You're important to your family, to the community, to the city, to the nation. Please do not devalue yourself, but start afresh to see how important you are.
to everybody around you. You are needed. In Global Heart Church, you are needed. Hello, in Global Heart Church, you are needed. You are needed. All the children going to be coming into this church in the months and years ahead. Need some dads who are, I'm strong for God. Come with me. Let me encourage you. Because I, can, I want to encourage you because I have determined to be an example to you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.